Good evening and welcome to the Dollar Dogs and Beer podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and joining me tonight is Joe. How are you doing, bud? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, man. Life's been hectic, but the Cubs are, uh, you know, making some noise. Dude, the Cubs are hot as hell right now. It is a beautiful thing to see. Um, and they've gone from bubble to firmly buyers. I mean, this dude, this has got to be exciting. I mean, what they're not even technically out of the running for wild card. They're still in the running for the division. They're, they're, they were three and a half back in the wild card. They're four back on Cincinnati starting tonight, and they're playing in Cincinnati at Wrigley this week for four games. So do the math. Yeah, good things could be happening. That's for sure. So uh, um, Jason is off tonight uh, and unfortunately was too busy to give us his updates, although uh, uh, I pretty much know his opinion on the things from the Phillies game yesterday. So we'll hit that quick later when we get to the Phillies and uh, we'll roll with that. So, uh, Joe, what are you drinking tonight? Uh, Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, Sticking with the Evan Williams chariot. It worked out well last week. I'm going to stick with it now. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good choice man so for me tonight i am uh drinking from Lancaster brewing company a strawberry wheat ale i am unfortunately being lazy i am not going to pour it into a glass and put a strawberry in there like they do at uh restaurants that serve it but that's okay it's a nice light summer ale though and uh you know me i'm a sucker for strawberries always have been. oh yeah all right so let's roll into this tonight um first up i wanted to uh uh, toss out for David Bell. He got extended by the Reds, um, three-year extension through the 2026 season. Frankly, extremely well-deserved extension. He's been the manager of the Reds since October of 2018. Uh, he initially signed a three-year deal through 21 with a club option for 22. And then at the end of 21, he's got a two-year extension through the end of this year. So he's going to be with him through 2026, you know, barring a firing offense before then. But the way they're going with the way this young talent is coming up, I don't see that happening, frankly. Um, the three years prior to Bell's arrival, the Reds went 203 and 283. That's a uh, whopping 418 winning percentage. In the five seasons since, they're 307 and 343. So they're not quite back to 500, but they're getting a lot closer. I think that's like a 483 winning percentage. And they did have that postseason appearance in 2020 before they got knocked out by the Braves. So, um, you know, he's doing good things in Cincinnati. Absolutely the right decision by the Reds, I think, to extend him. Keep him, keep it going, man. Things are going very well down in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, don't <laughs> you don't want to change the leader in the middle of a good race, <laughs> as they say. So, uh, uh, great, jo- you know, great news for uh, David Bell. And uh, you know, it, it, it's funny. It's a uh, three generation because uh, his dad also, his dad was a player and I believe a manager as well, Buddy Bell, and um, either a brother or. It was his brother or it was his grandfather I played. Anyway, he's, uh, you know, he's, you know, the Bell family is one of the few families to have three generations to play MLB. So that's pretty cool as well. So, Joe, yeah. uh, you, ex- you excited to keep facing David Bell for the uh, next couple of years? Hey, man, getting get what you deserve. You, you, you've done a good job there and you've earned it. And it's, um, you know, kudos to him for, for making the best of a what looked like a really bad situation. Yeah. Um, to start uh, I, I the year. So, I mean, look, he's done a great job and you can't really, uh, can't really fault him for that. You know, and I remember when he was hired, everybody said he was nuts taking that job because it was just so bad. And yet he's turned it into something pretty damn good. So, you know, just, well, I mean, 
Yeah, he's done a great job. I think the fact that the expectations were really low and management said, you know what, let's just bring these guys up. See what happens. And and they've hit lightning in a bottle and yeah. we'll see we'll see what, what happens down the stretch here. But I mean good good on David Bell for for you know doing the, the all the right things to steer the ship in the right direction and kind of wading through the, the bad years and here he is. Yeah. All right. So uh Joe, who needs to read the room tonight? Well, there's a couple of things with this. So like it the, the, the pitcher suspensions are ridiculous to me. Um, it, anytime a pitcher gets suspended, it's it's for five games. So it's only one start. I'd like to uh, propose that they go to three starts minimum for any pitcher suspension because then they at least feel the pain of being a freaking moron. <laughs> uh, you know, and we saw this firsthand, obviously, with, um, with the Cardinals-Cubs series this week. Um, you know, it's the fact that you get a five game suspension and a starter only starting pitcher only misses one start is, is just idiotic to me. Um, you know, if you want to do five games for a reliever that I get, but starting pitching suspensions have to be changed because they need to feel more of a, of a hit, you know, financially and to their team, um, in order to stop some of the the nonsense that happens. I agree. And this is something I've complained about for years, actually, is that, you know, big old brawl starts and, you know, pitcher, pitcher beans, the batter, batter charges, the mound, you know, tackles the pitcher, um, you know, and then you have a good old benches clearing bullpen, clearing brawl, you know, and then the batter's going to, you know, the pitcher's going to get 12 games, the batter gets 12 games. And that's not an equal suspension because the pitcher's only losing two starts. Now, I'm not saying that the pitcher should lose 12 starts. That would be ridiculous. But, you know, it, cut it in half. So let's say, you know, if the if the batter's got to lose 12 games, pitcher's got to lose six starts or four starts or something like that. Um, it's, yeah, you're right. It's just such a bad system in place right now that starters really have n- basically no consequences to beaning a guy other than maybe losing a game and that's ju- that's just not going to work. Yeah, I mean it's 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 like I said it's, it doesn't make a ton of sense that you're going to punish a starter and you're only going to miss one game and you know there's not going to be that residual effect in the locker room and you and you're going to you're going to lose if you change the suspension stuff you're going to lose a lot of this unwritten rule nonsense mm-hmm. that we all know exists but you know, don't necessarily agree with it being carried out all the time. Yeah, definitely not. All right. Uh, anybody else need to read the room? Or are you going to use that as your segue into the Cubbies? We, we'll, we'll segue this into the, into the Cubbies. Um, the, the, the St. Louis Cardinals announcing crew, and we'll set this up first, but um, um, so the Cubs are playing, obviously the Cardinals, they started this four game set on Thursday. Um, and, 12 pitches in, well, 10 pitches in, obviously. Ian Happ is up and has a very long and extended backswing. He always has had it. It's nothing new. It's not something exaggerated because of who's behind the plate. It's It's got nothing to do with it. Um, but he, he has this backswing, and it ends up clipping 
Wilson in the right in the mask and it digs right into his his skull and causes Wilson to to have a bleed bleed on his head. Um, they they couldn't really get it to slow down. They couldn't get it to stop. Um, and and so Wilson comes out of the game. And as Wilson is walking off the field, him and Ian Happ, you know, are, are obviously they're good friends. They played together for so long. Um, share share a nice moment and kind of go like, hey, sorry, you know. It all seemed to be forgiven. It kind of washed under, and then they kind of patched things up. And the game should just carry on. Okay, yeah, 10 pitches in. Yeah, I get it. But, okay, enough's enough. And he thought it was resolved until Miles Miles Miklas decided to be an idiot. <laughs> and I've said this before when we've talked about pitchers who throw at somebody after something happens. Right? You get one shot at this. If you miss the first time, don't do it again. You're a moron. You get one shot at the apple if you're going to do this unwritten rule stuff and you're going to throw at somebody. Period. You get one shot at it. And you aim somewhere where it's not going to detrimentally affect their life. Okay? The very next pitch after Wilson leaves the game, high and tight up in the chin. Misses him. But high and tight and too close for comfort, right? Misses him. Comes right in the next in the next pitch. You know, does his normal windup, but does this goofy toss and you know, ninety mile an hour at, at Ian Hap's hip and hits it. You know, Hap's expecting it obviously after the high and tight pitch, so he tosses his bat and walks to first. You know, and then the umpires get together and they start talking about this this situation and they immediately toss Miklas and Miklas was obviously disappointed by this. He was frustrated. He was angry. Um, you know, 12 pitches in, he gets tossed. And Marmol continues to argue, and Marmol gets tossed. You know, so so that's how the game starts. And this is – there's two outs in the first inning. You know, so by not letting bygones be bygones, you know, Miklas puts his team at a disadvantage because – You've got a guy in the bullpen who just sat down after, you know, after getting comfortable and he's trying to wait out the heat a little bit and warm up when he has to. And now he's got to rush in and warm up. So Nicholas doing this is idiotic. Marmol ordering it is idiotic because I'm sure he did. Um, You know, and then the reaction when Nicholas gets tossed from – Chip Carey and the color analyst, who I I don't know his name off the top of my head, they're like, really? You're tossing him? Like, read the game. And it's like, dude, you had two shots at this. You threw it his freaking face and missed. You don't get two bat- bites at the apple for that, you know? Um, but, but the way that they carried on and asked him to, like, you know, thought that the umpire should read the game a little bit, um, understand the situation, and it's like, Situation was resolved three pitches ago when Ian Happ and Wilson hugged it out. This didn't need to happen. Um, you know, so the belly aching from the Cardinal announcing crew about that whole situation really just ticks me off. Like I said, um, you know, you get, you get one bite at the apple when you're going to throw at somebody because of something that happens. 
it's it's just ridiculous. It looks like it's either it was either Jim Edmonds or Al Habrowski would have. I think it was Habrowski. Yeah, it, that would make sense. Didn't didn't sound like Jim Edmonds. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Habrowski is like, the '70s era guy that was used yeah. to brawls and shit like this. Yeah, it was it was really stupid. I'm like, wait a minute, guys, like. You know, the backswing that was innocent and unintentional and throwing at his face, missing, and then throwing at his hip. Which yeah. one is the problem here? <laughs> if you miss your one shot and then you immediately go inside and hit him, like, come on. that That's an easy one for the umpire to just toss you on. Right? Come on. That's not... That's not, oh, the first one got away from me and the second one was me trying to pitch inside. No, 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 no. 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 I mean, I sent you guys the the shot of the pitches and it's it's pretty obvious what they're yeah. doing the first pitch after Wilson left the game. So, like, it, it just wasn't necessary. Yeah. I, you know, I was watching, you know, I was watching the video replay and this, that, and I'm... Whether Marmel ordered it or not, he it wasn't going to be an automatic ejection if the dude would have just kept his damn mouth shut because, one, he wasn't going to get his pitcher back anyway. His pitcher made an idiotic choice, so he deserves to sit down, number one. Number two, I, you know, you get your bullpen guy up. They're going to get all the time they need to warm up. I mean, I know it's rushed, but they'll get time because it's, you know, anytime it's an ejection or an injury, they're not going to just force you to rush a pitcher and they don't want to get the guys hurt. So, like, if he was arguing because he felt like he needed to give his next guy more time, that's even dumber. I, I just, I, you know, like, I, like why? Why? Especially when you see the catcher and the batter make up right then and there. Okay. If the dude who got hit in the head is good, then let it go, man. I mean, you're, you're a dumpster fire of a team already. You're the worst team in the league. Like, you know, settle down. Don't be dumb. Don't yeah. throw any more attention to yourself than the fans already have coming your way. The fact that Marmol is still the manager at this point is is surprising to me. Yeah. I yeah, I'm really surprised they've given him as long of a leash as they have. I half expect him to have been fired before now. I mean, to to have that roster and be this underperforming and then you go and pull stupid shit like this. I mean, it, it just it it you know, Suck Lewis River chickens. Live it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> the Bush League the Bush Stadium. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, I think that's good. We'll, we'll, we'll roll with those two. I mean, we could probably go for another five minutes bashing uh, St. Louis and all that, but I, those are two good ones. We'll, we'll let it sit at that. Yeah. So, but, <laughs> so going into the rest of this game here, obviously um, – um, Happ is on base, and then Saya and and Cody get on base after that, and then Dansby walks, and Happ scores a run. So Michaelis gets the loss and a five five game suspension. Um, so well deserved on, on his part, <laughs> way to earn it. Um, but the Cubs put up three runs then in the bottom of the in the top of the first. 
two more in the third, one in the fourth, one in the sixth, and two in the seventh, and one in the ninth. Like you, you put your team behind behind the eight ball for the rest of the series. You know, Hudson for his for his credit comes in and does four and a third, nine hits, five runs. After that mess that he was given, but and and you know lost behind all this nonsense is the fact that Justin Steele gutted out another six innings, five hits with one run. You know, the guy's been excellent. Talkman was three for six in this game. Belly was three for five. I mean, those two have been. Insanely hot, and Belly gets to play first with Talkman in the game. So like it's, it, you know, it, Nicholas putting himself behind the eight ball, and then of course, um, you know, against your rival, it's one thing if you're playing a crappy team that nobody cares about, but it's your it's your rival. That stadium is packed with a bunch of fans in blue shirts. Like you're not making yourself any friends in this one. Um, <laughs> Ronnie just chimed in. Bring Yachty in to be the manager. I mean, at this point, Yachty would probably do a better job than Marble has done this season. They are so bad. Hell, I mean, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's it's absolutely nuts. So, uh, anyway, the Cubs take the first game of this series thanks to this Michaelis debacle, ten to three. Win the second game on Friday, three to two, on um, a beautiful double play, first in the ninth inning. Between Nico, um, wasn't even facing second when he threw it to Swanson and then Swanson to Belly um, for the double play. And then the last out of that ninth inning, Mike Talkman robs a homer, beautifully robs a homer um, off of, I forget who it was that was hitting it. But, um, you know, Newbar had a great game, but if it weren't for Newbar, this is an, an awful series overall for for St. Louis, but a three, two win Friday night, Alzale gets a save more on that later. Um, you know, it, and it started what, you know, what was the, the beginnings of a great weekend. They go win five, one on Saturday. Uh, Tyone has a great ERA since July started. So Tyone's back to normal. Ian Happ had a homer. Um, and then Sunday, um, you knew they were going to run out of steam at some point. Um, they lose the game 3 nothing. Kyle had a great start, but the offense just wasn't there. Um, the way they've been hitting, and then we'll get to the Sox series here in a second, um, you know, the way they've been hitting, it's been, you know, it, it's it was bound to cool off at some point. Um, going into that, that Sunday game, they won eight in a row. So you, you figured they were due for one. Uh, but again, Kyle's been pitching excellent in his new role, um, you know, starting it and giving them some good innings. Um, and then you go back to the, the beginning of the week. Tuesday, Wednesday was the uh, Crosstown Cup with the White Sox. Uh, there'll be two more games at, at Wrigley later in July or in August, I should say. Um, they win the first one, 7 3, behind Kyle Hendricks and Azulai. Um, Swanson with a homer, Seo with a homer, or and um, you know Swanson has three hits in this game. Suzuki robs a grand slam to uh, to keep the game at seven three in the um, or to make the game seven three in the seventh. Um, so you know a great defensive week all around for the Cubs. Uh, a great offensive week from folks like Ian and Cody. 
Um, they win the Wednesday game 10 to 7. Um, Aside gets the win on that one, goes a lot of innings there. Um, you know, so it was a really good, uh, really good week for the Cubs. I can't complain too much. And and last week, you know, um, with with my drink, I had the Diet Mountain Dew because I just wasn't sure what team I have, and and I've got the the strong team with a fight. So um, keep it up, boys. Yeah, it was that. That's uh, maybe the best week the Cubs have had all year. Pretty damn close to it. So, I uh, really happy for you, Joe. Uh, you were due for a good week. <laughs> a couple of stinkers in the middle of that. Yeah, man. All right, so moving on, uh, just yesterday we had uh, another milestone for the season. Justin Verlander picked up his 250th career win against the Nationals. Uh, he struck out five over five and a third, so congratulations to Verlander. That may also be the last win he gets in a Mets uniform. We will have to wait and see on that. Um, Scherzer's already gone, so who knows how long Verlander will be there. Um, for the Braves last week, uh, a little bit of a mixed bag. Uh, they got swept by Boston in the miniseries in Boston. They lost game one, seven to one. Uh, Pavetta took the win. Morton took the loss. They never should have played that game or they should have moved that game into a doubleheader, um, you know, the next day or something because, uh, you know, Charlie Morton came in and it was very plain and obvious that uh, he had sat for an hour 40 and was trying to get stretched back out. And it was just not a good outing for him. And I think that the rain delay had everything to do with it, but we saw something absolutely crazy that we have not seen in many, 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 many years. Like since the 1800s, we saw, first of all, the first triple play of the season was turned by Atlanta and it was, one of the craziest ones I think I've ever seen. Um, it was an eight, three, five. So Tristan Cass um, hit a shallow fly ball that uh, Adam Duvall was on first base. I guess he thought that the ball was going to drop because I guess he forgot how fast his former teammate is. Um, or maybe he figured if I was in, uh, if I was still Atlanta center fielder, there's no way in hell I was going to catch that. So Harris is able to snag the shallow fly, fires it over to first to get Duvall. And then Matt Olson was, of course, paying attention because that's what he does. Fired across the diamond to Riley at third to uh, tag out Yoshida, trying to tag up after he saw Duvall was going to get caught at first. So that was an 8-3-5 triple play. Beautiful that's thing. Beautiful thing. Right? <laughs> the last time that happened, I think, was like 1894, something like that. And it was also turned by the Boston Bean Eaters, who are the modern, who are the predecessors of your modern day Atlanta Braves. So apparently, 835 triple plays are only allowed to happen, to, only allowed to be turned by uh, members of the Atlanta Brave franchise because it, that that's, uh, <laughs> that's probably one of the, if not the rarest types of triple play you will ever see. <laughs> Um, so, it, you know, even though they lost, it was still, uh, quite entertaining just, you know, because of that. I mean, that was some of the, I, you know, until the Phillies game on Sunday, Joe, that was some of the worst base running I have ever seen in major league baseball. But, uh, of course the Phillies had to one up that Sunday, but we'll touch on that a little bit later. Um, so that was, uh, <laughs> so that was the, uh, Boston, the Boston mini series. And then, uh, Atlanta came home for Milwaukee and the bats just, poured on the Brewers, which I'm sure uh, 
I was thoroughly enjoying and Joe, I'm sure you were thoroughly enjoying as well. <laughs> Anytime Milwaukee loses, it's a good day. Damn right it is. So game one was a 10 to seven win. Colin McHugh took the win for the Braves. Hauser took the loss for the Brewers. Iglesias picked up his 19th save. Game two was an 11 to five shellacking. Elder picked up his eighth win of the season. Tehran took his fifth loss. And on Sunday, uh, Kirby Yates picked up the win late with an eight to six victory. Uh, Payampas picked up the loss and Iglesias had his uh, 20th save of the year. Um, I'm not gonna f- I'm not gonna highlight too many things right now with the Braves, but I do want to note that once again Austin Riley has basically turned the National League pitching staffs into his uh, personal punching bags ever since the All Star break. Kind of like what he did last year when he got hot in August. Uh, definitely a definitely a second half player, uh, Mr. Riley. Um, so and Olson is still you know leading the National League in home runs and RBIs. I mean, I when, when we upgraded from freddie to olsen and i upgrade is kind of a stretch because there's something there's still a lot i like about freddie's game he's more of a he's a much better contact hitter with good power but he doesn't have the power olsen is showing this year um you know both gold glove quality gloves over there but you know ever since uh everybody's wondering is olsen going to be okay because last year you know he had a lot of up, ups and downs and i think that was you know getting adjusted to coming home and new crowd big contract lots of expectations he's loose this year and you can tell the way he is swinging the bat so uh you know the the Braves offense just uh had an absolute nice showing this this weekend with Milwaukee um I saw that the uh Brewers fans social media was rather distraught at watching their team give up 29 runs over the course of three games um well you know when your team is built around pitching and very little offense that tends to happen especially when your best pitchers are hurt so um, now that said, Milwaukee has been trying to address that. And when we get to the uh, trade deadline stuff, we will uh, we'll mention a little bit Milwaukee's been doing. But yeah, Joe, I, you know, I'm disappointed at the start of the week. But again, that first game, they should have just made a doubleheader the next day and then moved on. I, I hate it when MLB does that after if it's going to be more than an hour and a half, just cancel the damn game unless it's unless we're, unless it's like a one o'clock start. You know, if it's a one o'clock start. Okay, but like these late games, don't push it. No, I mean if you're if you're delaying it already an hour or two, um, I, I mean that's that's too much at that point of the night. You can't start the game a seven o'clock game by eight thirty. Don't yep. bother. Yep, just um, it, it's 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 disingenuous of it's not respecting the fans' money and time. It's not respecting you know any of that. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, when I was in Chicago and we went to the game, um, you know, that was supposed to be a one o'clock start originally. At like seven in the morning, they bumped it to four. So you're like, okay, good. Like you're you're bumping it now because we know it's going to be crappy, right? And then you get downtown to Wrigleyville and and you're sitting there at like two or three o'clock and you're like, there's no way this game's starting at four o'clock. But at least they like put the buffer in there, right? Yeah. At the beginning of the day. So you didn't have, you know, fans showing up at 10 a.m. And and drinking all day at Murphy's is waiting for this game to start. Yeah. People were coming in at 2 because, well, the earliest this game was starting is at 4. And then it became pretty clear at 2.33 o'clock. This game means starting at 4 o'clock. Right. Um, 
you know, and, and it all worked out in the end. But like like you said, the late games have having that that bump where it doesn't start till nine o'clock or something like that is just ridiculous. Yes. Yep, I wholeheartedly agree with that. And like at that point, like no starting pitcher ever fares well when they're forced to come in after that long delay. And I personally, as a fan, if I'm paying money to be there, I want to see the starter when he's fresh, not when he's tried to warm up 18 times to stay loose for an hour and 40 minute rain delay. It's just not good baseball. Right. Like, you know, if you, if you got a schedule, right. And this is the one game you picked to go to because, you know, in your case, let's say Max Fried's pitching in my case, Kyle or Justin is pitching, right. Mm -hmm. I picked that game for a reason. Yeah. If I bought my tickets, you know, a, a few days in advance because I knew who was pitching. And I'm not going to get top quality Justin Steele. You're not going to get top quality Max Freed if they have to try to warm up, like you said, 18 times. Yep, exactly. Whatever it is. It's ridiculous. Be, you know, be respectful of the players. Be respectful of the fans. You know, you may get some crap from some people. The majority of fans are going to appreciate the fact that you took the their their feelings and their their investment into consideration. Exactly, uh, you know. And when, I, when me and Matt were at the uh, Phillies Braves game last year, um, we didn't stay all the way till the end of the rain delay because the rain delay went on so long, and because Citizens Bank Park does not have enough standing area that is underneath bleachers to keep you dry. You know, that's something else they have to keep in mind, too, is because I've never been up to Fenway, but, you know, looking at the plans, there's not a ton of covered space up there either because it's such a small ballpark. So, yeah, under, underneath the bleachers is about the only spot you've got there. Um, it's it's not much. Yeah. Um, the only the only option you have, I mean, at Wrigley, it's it's hopping to a bar on the corner, <laughs> you know, at least there's if, a bar. before the game, but. Yeah. All right. So, Joe, let's move it on. Um, looking at the fantasy from this past week, uh, what what I thought was going to be a much closer matchup between the two of us, my pitching finally showed up for the first time in a month and a half and uh, turned into a route as I took you down 17 to 9. And then Ronnie, of course, uh, decided his team decided as it has been doing all season that it only shows up against my team. Uh, late, just rolled over against Jason and got dropped 20 to five. So even though I won big this week, I still lost three games in the standings as Jason has a seven game lead on me. Um, but yeah, you know, as, as you're going to mention later, um, several of my Braves players really helped to uh, push me through quite effectively this week. And when my pitching finally shows up the way it's supposed to, you know, that's what you're going to see is my team just roll like that so um not that your team had a really bad week but i for once my the stars actually lined up for me which means it won't happen again this season look i mean what 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 was funny about about us is that friday this was like a two-point game yeah i I was not expecting Saturday, saturday afternoon after friday night's games or something like that saturday was like i'm like oh crap like this has completely gone the other way, and there's no way to fix this. Yeah, that I I don't think I have ever seen a swing like that late in the week. 
You, yeah, you don't I, mean, it was, I, I think it was I think it was 13 to 10 on Friday night, and all of a sudden it was 17 to 9. And I'm like, well, what the hell? <laughs> so yeah, it was it, it was a nice week for me. I, I was not expecting when, when I saw that 13 to 10, I was like, okay, we're gonna have a three to four point margin, and that's gonna be it. And you know what? I can live with that. <laughs> and then the blowout happened. I'm like, okay, I can really live with that. <laughs> <laughs> what, what can I say? I tried to keep you close to Jason. <laughs> you did what you could. Now, if only Ronnie's team could have uh, done a little more for me, that would have been great. So uh, this week is a Jason Andrew week, and you've got Ron this week, Joe. Um, I'm set, like I said, I'm seven games behind Jason. Uh, you are 25 and a half behind, and Ron is 79 and a half games behind. Like, as Ron has said a couple times, both on the show and in the comments, he's just waiting for the playoffs because that's when the, the uh, big push is going to happen. So, yeah, uh, look, I mean, I think, um, you know, it, it's been a bit of bad luck for Ronnie. I think I've, yeah. I've had some bad luck there too. Um, you know, I, I, you and you and Jason, it's always kind of kind of tricky, but Jason usually prevails over you in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I do not understand. Well, we had that tie the one week too, which was just wild. I've right. never I've never had a head to head matchup end in a tie. Right. So um <laughs> so that yeah, we'll have to see what happens this week. I, I would love to just pound him in the dirt and knock him out of first place. Just even if it's just for one week so he doesn't go wire to wire. That, that that's my goal at this point. Stop the wire to wire, the wire to wire run that Jason's on, or you know, knock him out in the very last week of the season, the championship game. One of the two. And all, all I'll say is I'll do what I can. <laughs> that's true. He he cannot beat your team. It, it's, he, he, he's beat me one time of the six times we've played. So um, you know, whether that's a great thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Um, who knows. Or if it's just good luck, I don't know. Hey, it, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, man. <laughs> yeah, really. All right, let's roll it into the trade deadline. This has been a what what started really mild and tame has turned pretty wild, in over the last three four days. Um, I'm just I'm going to focus on a couple teams and what they've done so far. I don't have the I don't have what happened so far this evening as Morris rolled in. So Joe, I'll let you hit that uh, as soon as I get done with these. So I'm going to start with the Angels. Um, clearly, they are going all in, not only in trying to keep Shohei Otani, but um, bringing players in to show Shohei that hey, we are going to invest in this team around you. You should resign with us. Um, they, tra they trade with the Rockies to pick up CJ Cron and Randall Grichuk, and they also picked up some cash in the deal. They sent over Mason Albright, their number 28 prospect and Jake Madden, their eight, number eight prospect. Now that, to be fair, they're both low a level pitching prospects. Um, so CJ Cron, he's coming back to the team that drafted him. Um, they, Joe, they've been cycling guys at first base. Like it's a revolving door into a fancy New York city hotel. So, Cron is, I mean, he's not having an all-star year, but even what even what he is doing is better than what they've had so far. So I think it was a good trade. Um, neither of the low-A prospects were highly rated low-A prospects. So, I, you know, you, and here's the thing, Joe, the Angels have been so bad at developing pitching that uh, I, I think that's probably a pretty safe trade on the side of the Angels that the Rockies will probably not... Um, 
you know, get too much value out of that. And to be fair to, I mean, with the season that Grichik and Kron are having, I think the Rockies knew that there really wasn't going to be much coming back for them. And then after that, they traded with the White Sox and the fire sale the White Sox are having. They got uh, Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez for left-hander Kyle Bush, their number three prospect, and Edgar Carrero, the a catcher, their number two prospect. Now, much bigger trade here. This was the first big splash of the trade deadline. Um, you know, the rotation has been bad. Outside of Otani, they've got a 462 ERA. Um, so I, you know, it was a good move. And if you're going all in, I mean, that's the kind of move you have to make. Um, I think the White Sox really got a great haul back for this trade, considering Giolito is a free agent at the end of the year. So they are not going to get more than a couple months out of him unless they can resign him. Of course, again, you got to worry about, um, pitchers coming out of the angels organization, but, uh, Edgar Cuero looks like he has got really good potential as a catcher. So I think the White Sox made um, an excellent call here. Uh, yeah. Joe, what do you think what the Angels are doing? Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously, like you said, they're, they're clearly trying to make a push because they're either going to a bring back Otani or hope that he takes less money or they're going to lose him and they figure let's just go out with a bang and see what, what happens. Um, so you can't fault them for trying. I think Krona is an upgrade for sure. Grichik is an upgrade for sure. Um, you know, um, Giolito has been up and down, but then again, he's been pitching for the White Sox and they've been mostly down. So um, Lopez has been excellent out of the bullpen for them. So this is a great pickup for the Angels. I do think um, Rick Hahn and the White Sox kind of fleece the Angels on this one. Um, yeah. catcher is a position they absolutely needed. So I, I do think, I do think the White Sox win this trade long-term, um, whether it's enough to do for the angels to make something happen this year. We'll see. Yeah. It's definitely going to be uh, interesting to see. Um, and yeah, I just looked up Lopez is a free agent after this season as well. So that was really a very steep price. They paid for those two guys. It's it's really a seller's market with pitching, as we'll we'll see. Yeah, I think through tomorrow. Um, oh yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're still going to see some ridiculous trades go down tomorrow. Absolutely. Um, the Braves, uh, as expected, very minimal deals so far. Um, first, they made a trade with the Rockies. They got their closer, Pierce Johnson. They gave up uh, Victor Vodnik and Tanner Gordon. Atlanta's number ten, number twenty six prospects. I like the trade. Uh, Johnson's ERA is at is at six, but it's been trending down over the last month or two. Um, the last last month and a half, he's actually been really solid. I think mid threes, um, hard arm, good swing and miss stuff. And you know, we already have Iglesias as the closer, so he'll be like a six seven eight inning guy. He's not going to be the closer. It's going to take some stress off that arm. Um, the two prospects, Vodnik's been really injury prone. I think he's already had Tommy John surgery once at least. Um, and he's wild. He's at like four, three, four point five walks per nine right now at, I want to say double a level. Um, Gordon again, he's, he's a low way guy. Very, very long way from being MLB ready. Good potential, but he's very rough. We'll, we'll see what's going to happen with him. I'm, I think it's a great trade. I think uh, Vodnik was, I think was going to be, was going to be lost to the rule five draft this fall anyway. So I'm, 
perfectly okay with them dumping him now and getting something out of it. Um, then we traded with the Rangers. We got we sent him a little cash to pick up left-hander Taylor Hearn. Career 5-11 ERA. Originally picked up to be an extra lefty option of Do Dylan Dodds delayed coming back off the IL. He still had some minor league options, so a little flexibility. You know how the Braves love to cycle guys between AAA and the majors. Absolutely. Um, so it looked like uh, looked like one of those kind of deals. Um, he pitched seven innings for the Braves and gave up eight runs. So clearly not a guy we wanted to keep. So the Braves turned and burnt, turned and traded him to the Royals for backup infielder Nicky Lopez. I love the trade. Gives Atlanta more speed off the bench. He's got a great glove. He can play, he plays really well at the middle infield positions. He could also play the corners, but he's more of a middle specialist. Good bunner. Um, the last two years, he's actually led the American League in sacrifice bunts. Um, does a good job of putting the ball into play. He's a good contact guy. He just doesn't get a lot of exit VLO. Um, you know, Hearn hadn't done much. So, you know, the fact that they were able to flip him and get a solid backup infielder, which is probably one of our biggest areas of need, which boy, yes, I know that's that, that serious organizational wealth of that's your biggest need is a freaking backup infielder. Um, I, I think the Braves absolutely fleeced the Royals in this trade. Um, you know, a failed starter with options to cycle makes sense for the Braves. This trade makes he, he makes no sense for the Royals. I don't know what the hell they were thinking in this trade that they said yes to. Um, other than maybe Alex Andopoulos put a spell on their GM and just made him hit the auto accept all trades button like you do in Madden franchise modes. Because that's the only way I can see this making any damn sense uh, for the Royals. So, I, I, he's only 29, yeah. so it's not like it's a big veteran presence move for them either. I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems to me as if obviously the Braves are a team that's making more depth moves than anything else. Um, as you always say, and I think I, obviously I agree with you that you can never have enough pitching. Yeah. You can um, never, ever, ever you know, have enough pitching. You get, you get in a situation where, where you gotta, you know, you fly off the handle like miles Michaelis and you got to rely on your bullpen for eight innings. Um, you know, eight, and, eight and a third, eight and a third. <laughs> don't, don't want to discount the third of an inning there. Um, you, you know, so I think, I, I think you have to be happy with the moves that they did make. Like you said, uh, Johnson being able to be in a, a more of a setup role, although he does play for the Rockies. So I don't know how much action he got as a closer. Anyhow, I think he had six saves. Oh, well, six, not bad. <laughs> not bad. What can I say? What can yeah. I say? <laughs> you know, it, you know, talking about dumb things, dumb things teams have done, um, you know, with uh, forcing your bullpen into long games. I remember that the very last time Acuna got plunked by the uh, Marlins, I can't remember which pitcher it was. Was it Urania? Yeah, it was Jose Urania when he hit, when he plunked him with on the first pitch with the hardest fastball he threw all year and then made his bullpen go nine innings and he still took the loss because Acuna came around to score. Yeah, <laughs> that's just dumb. All right, so uh, looking at the Rangers here, uh, they are most definitely going all in. They are basically trading for a complete rotation at this point. 
Um, I know Ivaldi just went on the IL, and he has been their only consistent guy since uh, Degrom went down. First, they picked up uh, jo- they picked up Jordan Montgomery from the Cardinals. They also got Chris Stratton in that deal as well. They sent back left-hander John King to Koa Robbie, who's a righty, who was their number eleven prospect, and infielder Thomas Segisi, who was their number fourteen prospect. Um, I think that trade made a ton of sense. I think Montgomery's going to pitch well in Texas. And then this was the big surprise. They traded for Max Scherzer, sending away Luis Sanhel Acuna, Ronald's little brother, their number three prospect, number 44 overall in MLB's top 100. There was a lot of behind-the-scenes work to get this done, mostly convincing Scherzer to waive the no-trade clause. Um, And in doing so, he agreed that he would opt in for next season as well. And the Mets are going to be picking up that entire forty-four million, other than like I think twenty million. The Rangers are like twenty or twenty-two million between the rest of this year and next year, and the Mets are picking up the rest of that. Um, The irony is not lost to me, Joe, that the Rangers are replacing one injured former Mets ace with a different Mets ace. Uh, Yeah, that that seems to be their uh, their strategy. So we'll see. (laughs) Apparently, the uh, Rangers are now using the Mets as a AAA pipeline. Who knew? <laughs> Look, I mean, if it works out for them, that's great. And I think, obviously, what, what I find most poetic about Scherzer's nonsense is that we'll, we'll get to this in a second, but they got rid of Robertson, and he's like, I, I'd like to talk to him about their direction. And the Co- Cohen's like, see ya. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, you sure you want to talk about this? I don't think so, man. Don't, now, don't, call, don't call ownership out in, in the media when you haven't had a great year either. No, very, <laughs> very they will make an example of you and they'll do it really quick. Yeah. Now that said, uh I, I love the trade for the Mets, not only getting rid of Scherzer, who has been not a great pitcher this year. He leads the national well, led the National League in home runs allowed. He probably now leads the American League in home runs allowed. Um I a little Acuna, I don't know if he's as good as his brother, but he's got a lot of the same attributes. He plays good defense, he's got good speed, and he's got a good bat. So, one, I can't wait for him to be called up. So you can see an Acuna Brothers reunion. That's going to be really cool when that happens because you know Ronald will get on and then steal second just to screw with his brother because that's what brothers do. Um, so uh, honestly, great trade. I th- that, that might be the best trade the Mets have made, uh, so far at the, for the trade deadline list, even with, yeah, the and I, I think, um, you know, the Rangers, like you said, they're, they're going all in. They've made a lot of good moves. Um, Montgomery's another one where, you know, St. Louis has not been great to him and he hasn't had to pitch a ton. So, so he should be better. You know, and the thing I like about that trade, um, you 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 really in the playoffs you want a big three. You want you want a big four, but you can roll with a big three. Montgomery, Ivaldi, and Scherzer—that's not a bad three to roll into the playoffs with. No, not at all. So, Tampa Bay uh, making some small moves. They got uh, Aaron Savale from the Guardians for first baseman Kyle Manzardo. That's a great trade for the Rays. Um, since Savali came back from the IL in June, in 11 starts, he's got a 224 ERA and only allowed six earned runs in all of July. He's not going to be free agent eligible until after 2025. Um, it was a steep price for the Rays to pay. 
Manzardo was their number four prospect and number 37 in the top 100, but he's also a little farther away. He is at triple A this year, but his numbers have not been great. He had a great season at high A and double A. Um, and triple A has been a little rough for him this year, so he's probably one more year before we'll see if this is the kind of trade that will really bite Tampa Bay in the end or not. But I like the move, especially getting Savali with, with extra years of control. Um, the Blue Jays going all in, not quite as aggressively. They picked up Jordan Hicks from the Blue, from the uh, Cardinals. Um, they sent back uh, Sam Robertsy, who was their number seven, and Adam Klofenstein. Um, they, this, the, this was a quick, they lost Jordan Romano. So they quick replaced him with Hicks that I, that's going to be one of the best bullpens in the playoffs. The blue Jays make it Joe. Um, once Romano comes back and, and Hicks, that's a lot of firepower at the very end. Yeah. That that's, that's the Jordan from the Cardinals who hasn't gotten a lot of work. I, I apologize for the mix up there. Um, oh, that's all right. with Montgomery Montgomery has, has been, a workhorse for them as a starter, but um, the Cardinals have been on the wrong side of too, way too many games for Hicks to get a ton of closing experience. So, yeah. And then with the uh, Astros, they they picked up uh, Kendall Graveman from the White Sox. They sent back their catcher Corey Lee, number thirty-two overall pick in twenty nineteen. Um, I don't know what it is, Joe, but this is the second time in three years the Astros have picked up Graveman at the trade deadline. Um, they didn't do it last year, but they did it back in a uh, 21. Cause I remember Graveman being on that roster when the Braves beat them in the world series. So, you know, the Astros have a known quantity and they like what they see. So there you go. Yeah. And I mean, it, that there's something to be said for that. And I think um, obviously it doesn't hurt that the, the Sox are, are basically unloading. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, now that I think about it, it's kind of like Atlanta and Jesse Chavez. They know what they've got with him, and that's why every time he sneaks away as a free agent, they wait till that team that signed him starts to tank and then send a low-level prospect and get him right back. <laughs> they like what they got. And then um, we thought other teams were being aggressive. The Dodgers decided, no, we're going to go hyper-aggressive. Um they decided to jump in on the White Sox fire sale. They picked up Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly. Uh, they sent back Nick Nestrini, who was their number nine prospect, and Jordan LaShore, and outfielder Trace Thompson. Um, I'm, I wasn't surprised to see this, Joe. Um, Kershaw's been injured. Uh, Pepio's injured. Syndergaard's injured, although they shipped him out later. Bueller is injured, and Trevor May is injured. Lance Lynn's not having a great season, but the biggest thing the Dodgers need is they need a guy that's going to eat some innings up and take some strain off that bullpen, which Lance Lynn will be definitely be able to do that for them. Um, I love the fact that they brought Joe Kelly back. I will always fondly remember the 2020 season when he threw up both Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa for being cheaters and then mocked the fact that Carlos Correa was complaining about the near hit by pitch before he struck him out, which then incited a benches clearing brawl during the 2020 COVID season when it, when uh, player contact was as limited as possible, and he earned himself a nice eight game suspension for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that I, guy. I, I think honestly, I do think that that Lynn is going to be huge for them. Um. Partially because there's a better defense behind him. 
That's very true. Especially in, in, in Chicago, that it's you know, TA has been a shell of him, of his old self defensively. Mm -hmm. um, Robert hasn't been able to stay healthy. Eloy hasn't stayed healthy. So, you know, the defense behind him in, in Chicago has been terrible. Um, most of those home runs that, with any other club that he's given up or there are two or three run homers would be solo shots with a better defense. So, yeah. And, you know, defense will be better because they picked up uh, Ahmad Rosario from the Guardians. They sent Noah Syndergaard and some cash over, which I think it was basically a salary dump move to get Syndergaard out of there because he's been terrible. Shocker, I know. Um, and then before that, they had also picked, uh, brought Kike Hernandez back, you know, the super utility man. They sent Nick Robertson and uh, Justin Hagenman over to the Red Sox for him. Uh, you know, Kike, that's that's the key right there. Um, Rosario probably will be the everyday shortstop. Miguel Rojas can go back to being utility. Kike's a super utility guy. I mean, his bat hasn't been great this year, but, you know, he could still play almost every position, and he plays it with good defense. So the Dodgers will be able to not only cycle guys and get them days off more easily, but they'll also be able to flex their lineup around much more easily, depending on the opposing pitcher. So the Dodgers are definitely gearing up for postseason play. Um, and Robertson and Hagenman, they're almost MLB ready. Um, I wouldn't even be shocked if the uh, Red Sox consider bringing one or both of them up in September this year, or if not, they will be early call-ups next year. So the Red Sox are getting, uh, you know, high level prospects ready to go. So great trade for great trade for them. I don't know that the uh, Dodgers will get quite the value that they sent out on this one. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I think uh, the Red Sox win this trade pretty easily. And then the Marlins are making some noise. They picked up uh, David Roberts in the Mets, former closer. They sent back uh, Marco Vargas, their number 18 prospect and Ron catcher Ronald Hernandez, their number 21 prospect. Um, I love the move for the Marlins, get a veteran arm for the postseason run. Um, and both of the prospects they sent, I know they were uh, top 30 prospects, but they're playing rookie ball at the Florida Complex League. They're not coming up anytime soon. So uh, the Marlins are good enough that they should be pushing for maybe not a maybe not buy everything they can, but they should be pushing for um, a chance to improve their wild card berth at this point. And then um, they traded with the Twins again. They got they sent Jorge they got they sent Dylan Floro over and picked up Jorge Lopez. Um, look, Jorge Lopez, you'll remember Joe. He was an All Star with the Orioles last year that they traded, which pissed me off at the time, but has really worked out quite well for them. Um, seeing as they got uh, shoot the other reliever, what's his name that was in the All Star game? And it, they got him back in that deal and uh, or frankly, the Orioles are doing just fine. Um, so basically the teams are swapping two relievers that have ERAs in the four. So I'm thinking it's just a change of scenery trade. Yeah. I, I like the move for Robertson. I'm glad that he's getting a chance to um, play on another team that gives the Phillies the fit. So <laughs> torment Jason even more than he already was. Just <laughs> kidding, Jason. Just kidding. No, you're um, not. It's okay. No, I mean, look, I, I, I'm I'm a big Robertson fan, obviously. Um, you know, he, he did a lot of great things for the Cubs last year. Um, we got Ben Brown out of that signing from Philly, and he's been really tearing it up in double-A. Um, you know, so, look, I, I think the Marlins have gotten better, obviously, with, with the deals they've made. Um, 
you know, it's, you know, improving that bullpen is, is something they desperately needed. Yeah, without a doubt. That's definitely been an Achilles heel for them for quite some time. Um, the Brewers, who I was just mocking about their lack of offense, decided to do something about it. They uh, called the Pirates up and traded for first baseman, not singer, Carlos Santana. They sent back a shortstop, Johnny Severino. Um, you know, like I said, their perpetual lack of offense is biting them in the behind. Santana is well outside of his prime, but uh, despite a slash line of 235, 321, 412 with 12 home runs, he's going to be the everyday first baseman in Milwaukee. And sadly, Joe, that's going to be an improvement over the group of first basemen they have been running this year. Again, that's 235, 321, 412, and 12 homers. That's an improvement. I mean, uh, honestly, it's not hard to see that as an improvement given how much how weak the, the Brewers are offensively. I mean, that's something we talked about back in March. So, mm-hmm. you know, that that's a weak spot for them. And has been for a long time, too. Oh, yeah. All right. So that's the uh, that is the mess of trades, the big trades that had come out before this evening. Joe, do you have any other big ones from tonight you want to bring up tonight or? Um, the, the, the Cubs did trade for Candelario from the nationals and gave up a couple of minor league guys for, the, for that. Um, there'll be some cash coming the way of the, um, of the Cubs in that deal. Um, the, the, the talk is heating up about Verlander possibly going back to Houston or maybe to Texas. Um, you know, he, he has a no trade clauses similar to Max's where he's got to approve it. Um, that was another big thing that's kind of running through, um, you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to see what, what some of these teams are going to do here, but, um, those were the primary big ones. I know, um, I'm, I'm really surprised that Bedner hasn't been moved yet from, from Pittsburgh. Um, a strong reliever would really make a difference for whatever club he ends up with. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you think if you're Pittsburgh, you kind of have to weigh your, weigh your odds here. Do you try to get something for the guy or do you, you know, do you not, um, at this point, um, the Diamondbacks did get, um, oh crap. What's his name? Paul Seawald. Yeah. Seawald from, from the Mariners. Yes. And they sent three people to the Mariners. So I think I, We'll they see sent, how it pans out, but I think that's overpaying. They sent back uh, infielder Josh Rojas, outfielder first base Dominic Canzone, their number 19, and infielder Ryan Bliss, their number 29. So nothing huge, but they did get two, they did send two top 30s back. Right. Um, I think um, also the Giants made a deal with the Mariners too, mm-hmm. um, getting AJ Pollock and Mark Mathias. Um, for cash and a player to be named later. Um, yeah, Pollock hasn't been having a great year. 173, 225, 323, um, five home runs. And he is on the 10-day with a hamstring strain. Um, Seattle would actually just claim Matthias off the waivers from the Pirates in July. So um, the fact that they were able to flip him and get something, good for the Mariners. Yeah, the other, the other improvement... Um, in the in the NL Central, the Brew Crew traded for Mark Canha from the Mets. Um, 
that's an improvement for them. They did send a pitching prospect, Justin Jarvis, to the Mets for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and his his numbers look pretty good. He's Milwaukee's number 30. Um, but his his numbers look nice, like like that's a good pickup or a good swap. Um not not too crazy, like some of the trades we've seen. Yeah. Um the Reds, um, they also picked up a reliever. They picked up left-hander Sam Mole of the A's. They sent back minor league pitcher Joe Boyle. They're number twenty-eight, uh, and they also, but they also got some international pool money out of the deal as well. Um, Mole is zero and three with a four fifty-four ERA, one forty-one WHIP. He does have a save um, over his big league career. He's a four thirteen ERA guy, so not you know, he's not probably going to light too much up, but bolster the bullpen, pick up some innings here and there. Um, Boyle is at double A this year, 19 start, six and five, 450 ERA, 164 whip. He was their fifth round pick in the 2020 draft, actually out of Notre Dame. So, um, uh, you know, the Reds are making moves, it's good to see. You know, they should have been making moves right after 2020 when they had a team that made the playoffs and almost made it again next year instead of dumping everything and wasting two years before coming back into a playoff run. But what do I know? Yeah, I, I do expect some some a lot more dominoes to fall between now and tomorrow at four o'clock or six o'clock, oh, yeah. whatever the deadline is. I think it's six now. Six. Um, used to be four o'clock, which made it interesting. <laughs> Obviously, in the middle of a workday, um, let's try to keep up with it. But um, you know, I, I think you're going to see a ton more moves. I think Verlander's going to go somewhere. Yeah. Um, I, I would. If, if you're a Philly fan, and we'll probably touch on this, like the fact that they haven't made some kind of move at this point is kind of disappointing, extremely disappointing, I, I would say. Um, you know, the, the, the meme of come on, do something like, <laughs> Dave, this is this is Dombrowski. This is your time to shine, man. Make some moves. I mean, the dude doesn't have the nickname Dealing Dave for nothing, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly didn't help a lot of these teams that, you know, obviously, you know, Belly was was highly talked about being traded, and obviously with the Cubs run, they they weren't trading him anymore. Um, you know, Stroman has been down lately, but still has a lot of potential, and because of the way the Cubs played, he wasn't available either. So it's it's interesting to see sort of what chips are going to fall now that the Cubs had had some value they could have contributed to the trade market and obviously are keeping it. So this is what the Phillies have done since July 20th option. A guy signed a free agent to a minor contract option, recall option, send on a rehab, send on a rehab, activate off the IL, sign a free agent to a minor league contract, send on a rehab option, sign a free agent to a minor league contract, activate off the IL. DFA, sign, sign. What the hell? Are, are yeah. they even trying to get a wild card spot? I, I it, it certainly doesn't feel that way. I know Jason doesn't feel that way, and I don't say I blame him. No, I don't either. Um, where's the, Give me a second. I got the wild card standings right here. There's the right tab. Right now, the Phillies are a half game out. Milwaukee is holding on to the tie with Miami for the two and three wild card spots. Let's remember, if the Phillies wouldn't have thrown an obvious we don't care game in game one against the Orioles, they could have swept that series, um, which was frankly surprising. 
Um, I I don't know what they're doing. Like, they're not going to get the division. Let's be real. The NL East was decided in June when Atlanta went on a tear and everybody, despite having a good month, still lost ground. Atlanta has not been great since the All-Star break, and they're still holding an 11-and-a-half game lead over the Marlins in second place. So, um, yeah, Ron said uh, the Phillies, they're dog shit. Ron, you're not wrong right now, um, especially at the weekend series, but in the uh, Great Poop series. But, like, I, I, I just don't understand, man. Like, I've never seen Dave Dombrowski – in any stop he has ever made in his GM career, sit pat at a trade deadline and not do anything. He is either buying everything he can or he is selling with the best of them. Like I this is this this is so out of character for him. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of shocked that that they haven't done something. Um even if it's a minor move to bolster the bullpen until you figure out what Sir Anthony is gonna do. Like, yeah. you know, even even a bullpen arm makes makes sense here, um, and the fact that it hasn't happened yet is kind of kind of strange to me. Yeah, it. it I am baffled and confused, honestly. Well, speaking of baffled and confused, so uh, the Phillies last week um, they lost game one three to two while we were on air. Like I said, uh, as Jason pointed out last week, when you're sitting three major starters you deserve to lose the game and they did and then uh, game two they they won four to three game three was a six to four win um, and then the great poop series with Pittsburgh because the scoreboard no matter if they're in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh to start the game is always going to save poop um, they won game one two to one uh, Wheeler picked up his eighth win of the year Kimbrell picked up a 17th save and then things kind of just fell apart the rest of the way they lost game two, seven to six. Um, Noah picked up his seventh loss of the season. Uh, Bednar picked up his 21st save for the Pirates. And uh, on Sunday, in 10 innings, they lost six to four um, on some absolutely questionable at best base running by the Philadelphia Phillies. I mean, the Pirates' right fielder's got a cannon. They figured that out on Saturday when he threw out a guy trying to tag home. So in the 10th inning, you've got Harper on third. You've got Haas, not Hoskins, you've got Bohm on second. Fly ball out to right. Harper starts to tag, gets halfway down, throws on the brakes with the, with that bullet flying in from right field. Hoskins is already two-thirds of the way up the line and has to scramble back. So the so the catcher throws him out at second. Then Harper's like, "Oh wait, now I'm going to run." Turns around and runs and is gunned down as well. Like I that, that that's basic fundamental baseball. If you're going to commit from third, commit from third so you don't catch up an extra guy that doesn't need to be caught up. It, it just feels to me as if, and I don't know. If, if Jason feels the same way, it just feels like that that lineup they threw out against Baltimore was absolute garbage. Like they weren't even trying, um, you know, and then this, this crap yesterday with, with this base running and then the, the, the lack of Dombrowski moves, it almost feels like they think they have enough. Mm-hmm. And 
when when they play to their potential, maybe they do. But I I can't see not making some sort of move. I really can't. It it makes it, no sense. It just it just feels like they they resigned to their fate and think they have enough, like they're the the Braves or something. And it's just not it's just not making a ton of sense. Right and. To be fair, they're not going to catch the division. Atlanta. No, I'm not, not. I'm not wanting them to catch the division. I'm thinking. But you know, what about the wild card? Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like they they care right now. Like this Phillies team, just because you're not going to catch the division, the wild card is wide open, and you're right there. Do something. You control your own destiny at this point. So yeah, get in it. it it's so. Do what the you got to do here, and it just doesn't seem like they did end up winning tonight, four to two against Miami, and they needed that. But it just feels like the last week or so they just haven't been giving it their best. Yeah. Well, and before that, you know, and before that, um, you know, they had that loss to Baltimore on last Sunday. They did beat Cleveland in 10, but before that they had a four-game losing streak coming off a four-game winning streak. Like, it, there's no consistency here other than that there is no consistency. Right. And here's the thing. The next the next couple weeks, they need to make this move. I mean, they got Miami to start the week, but then they've got Kansas City at home for three. They've got Washington at home for four. They've got Minnesota at home for three. Like those are three series that they should be able to win. Then they go on the road to Toronto for a mini series. They go on the road to Washington, um, which includes the little league game, I believe on August 20th. And you know, you got to get those wins in because then you got San Francisco coming in. You got St. Louis coming, which is no threat this year, but then you've got the angels. You've got the brewers. You've got San Diego. Like the, They've got a couple easy series, and they need to start getting the wins now before they start really taking on harder opponents, which means Dombrowski needs to make a damn move. Yeah. Um, Ronnie said, that's Philly for you, always a surprise. Yeah, Ron, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm baffled and confused. I mean, uh, J Jason said, um, no, where was it? And the other thing that drove Jason nuts with the game yesterday, defense was terrible. Um, non-existent with the pop-up balls, bobbled in the outfield at first. It has to be the worst game I've seen them play since like the 2015, 2017 years. Um, and I, you know, Joe, I did um, get a chance later on in the, later on in the evening and earlier today to listen to the condensed game. Yeah, I, that was that, that was not major league level baseball the Phillies played yesterday. Um, no, Jason was everywhere ticked off about it. So, all right. So, um, that's it for the Phillies. Um, let's move on to the hot list, Joe. My hot list hitter for the week is going to be Haysong Kim of the Padres. Last week, he slashed 500, 609, 833 with nine hits, six runs. Two homers, five RBIs, three stolen bases, five walks, and a strikeout. Uh, pretty damn good week right there. Um, you uh, Do you have a regular hot hitter, or are you just doing Moneyball this week? I'm just going to do Moneyball this week. All right, fire away. Uh, the Moneyball hitter, no surprise to you, Ronald Acuna Jr. Had himself a, a heck of a week um, for 
uh, Atlanta, 412, 565, 588, an OPS of 1153. Six runs, seven hits, one homer, three RBIs, five walks, three strikeouts, five stolen bases. He's over 50 stolen bases on the year already. Mm -hmm. This is insane. What, what he's doing this year. It is absolutely insane. Um, he could be on this list pretty much every week, but the, the five stolen bases was, was a big, and the five walks, the guy is doing whatever he can to get on base and make things happen. You know, uh, one stat I want to mention that I saw right before we went on the air, I mentioned to you, he is in the 99th percentile in hard hit rate, 96th percentile in strikeout rate. Um, he is the only player in baseball to be top five in both categories. That's insane. He, he is seeing the ball extremely well. He's he's game playing on the base pass extremely well. The guy is doing it all this year. It is insane. Yeah. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a guy hit the ball this well and cut his strikeouts down so much the way he has from his first couple of years to this year. I it's honestly, dude, it's such a pleasure to watch the guy play. He, he is so loose right now. Um, and I believe I, I'd have to look this up, but I think he is the fastest brave to get to 50 stolen bases in a year. Just insane. Considering we had Otis Nixon for a couple of years in the nineties. Um, we had rabbit Marinville back in Boston who, um, you know, as legend says, he was so fast he could turn the light. He could turn the light switch off in the hotel room and be under the covers before the light actually, you know, turned off. Um, that's what his teammates always said about him. I, you know, they had Rafael for call in the two thousands, and I mean, for call was crazy fast. One of the fastest players I think I've ever seen. Um, they even had Billy Hamilton for a little bit, and uh, Cunha is just he he's running in a league of his own right now. Yeah, this this is Joey Votto level stuff. Seeing the ball, oh, it, it's insane! It, it really is. I I don't think I've ever seen a guy drop his strikeout rate as much as Acuna has from previous years into this year. Uh, he is down to. Oh, I just had this pulled up. Here it is. His strikeout rate is down to 11.8%. It peaked in 2020 at 29%, although that, yeah, it's 2020 season. Non-2020 high was 2019 when he, when he was at a 26.5% strikeout rate, and he is down to 11.8. That's insane. Yeah, like I said, he's, extreme, he's seen the ball extremely well, and he's doing everything they're asking him to do. It's excellent. Yep. All right, my uh, hot pitcher for the week, Joe, is Shohei Otani. I don't often go with the guy who only has one start, but he threw a complete game shutout, so a 1-0 record on the week. And not only was the complete game shutout, Joe was a one-hitter. He had three walks, but still a one-hitter. ERA of zero, whip, excuse me, whip of .44 with eight strikeouts. Probably a big reason why my pitching wasn't terrible last week. Yeah, I'll say. Um, do you have any other top pitchers you rolling into adulting reliever? Uh, two two starters I want to touch on, um, mm -hmm. both from division rivals, oddly enough. Um, Freddie Peralta from Milwaukee, one start, six innings, four hits, 
no runs, 13 strikeouts. Damn. Um, so he had himself a heck of a uh, of a one start there. His whip was a .67. So excellent, excellent start for him. Um, and another single start guy. Uh, I, I gotta throw him a bone as much as I ragged on him today. Um, Steven Matz from the Cardinals. Um, a guy that I was pretty high on when he was in New York. I think he was just improperly managed. But the, this in Sunday game against the Cubs, um, you know, he, he made two starts, but he was one and oh, he got the win on yesterday. Um, 12 innings, nine hits, no runs, um, one walk, eight strikeouts. So the, the fact that he's able to only he didn't allow a single run and gave up nine hits. That's that's impressive work by him to spread it out. Um, and like I said, I, I think um, I said this when he was in New York. I think that he was improperly managed there. I think in the right environment, this kid has a has a chance to do some some stuff with the, what's left of his career. Well, let's think about it, Joe. When you have Jacob Degrom, Steve Harvey, Noah Syndergaard, and Stephen Matz. And you mismanage all of four of those guys into not only get, not getting a World Series, but also basically ruining or partially ruining careers with horrible management of injuries. Yeah, mismanagement seems to be the common thread there, doesn't it? It sure does. Um, I, I honestly, I, I hope that he can can make something out of, of the, the career that he should have had at this point. Yeah, uh, definitely. That would be that would be nice for him. Um, what, what sucked about his time with the Mets is he was a Long Island kid, and so it was kind of the hometown kid making making uh, trying to make a difference on the Mets, and got completely destroyed by everything else. Yeah. So. All right, so Joe, who's your adulting reliever of the week? Uh, my adulting reliever uh, is Adbert Azalai, um from the Cubs. Obviously, I was pretty high on him when he was a starter in the bullpen. He's found a way to make a difference. Um, this week, uh, three for three and save opportunities, uh, three and a third innings, two hits, no runs, four strikeouts, a 0. 0.60 whip. Um, and, and really has settled into a role that he didn't have at the beginning of the year. Um, and, and he's at, I think 12 saves now. So he's having himself a decent year. And now that the Cubs are playing a lot better, um, you know, getting more opportunities. I think he's he uh, it, slight homer pick, but I think he certainly earned it with the performance this week. Uh, given that performance, uh, I, I think we can definitely allow a homer pick like that. Uh, he's more than earned it. <laughs> that's uh, that's a hell of a week, man. All right, uh, Joe, would you like to uh, – I'm going to let you lead with your hot team first because I know who it should be, so uh, go ahead. Well, I mean, obviously obviously the Cubs are the hot team for me, obviously. It's the one I follow the most frequently, and they're doing a bang-up job of, of, of changing the, the story for them right now um, and, and being in a, a position to buy, even if it's small buys. Um, being in a position to buy eight and two in their last 10. Um, but I got to give, you know, Cincinnati a ton of credit. They've just been continued to be excellent this week too. Um, hopefully this week it goes south on them, but, <laughs> but uh, understandably, but I, I mean, you have to give them credit for being in this position and it's not a position that we expected them to be in. 
No, it's really not. Um, it, it, I love seeing it. I really do. You know me. I'm always going to be a. I, I'm always going to be a sympathetic Cubs fan at heart. Yeah, you know, it's my brother's team and uh, Ben, my youngest son. That's his favorite team as well. So I'm never upset to see the Cubs do well unless it's against Atlanta. <laughs> Should make for an interesting weekend for the two of us. That's for sure. Yes, it will. Yes, it absolutely will. Um, I, you know, I. I, I struggled to pick a top team, a, a hot team, because the Cubs were the only really obvious pick. The Reds are on are seven and three, but you know they dropped their first series, picked up their second series, and that's been pretty consistent with all the seven and three teams out there. Um, so instead of the Reds, since you're focused, since you've got them to start the week, I'm going to go with the Angels. Um, I like the run that they've put themselves on. Um, they did go four and two this past week. They swept the Tigers. They did drop two or three to the Blue Jays in the road. Um, but they swept, but you know, with that sweep, they looked really good and they've been playing really well in the last two weeks. They previously, previous week swept the Yankees and then took two out of three from the Pirates. So, you know, that's a team where things are looking up. They're trading aggressively. And honestly, man, uh, Shohei Otani is probably. G- if things keep going this way, he should be looking at them as a front runner to keep that, to keep him. I think, uh, I think they are putting their money where their mouth is, and I, it very well could pay dividends for them come the off season. You certainly hope it does for for their sake, and you know the sake of of folks like Mike Trout, who mm-hmm. why, why he stayed, I still don't understand, but. Um, you know, to, to make it to make it worth his while, and show his make it worth Shohei's time too. It's nice to see them kind of making it make you know being aggressive and and seeing what they can do. Um, you know, they're up four to one on your boys right now. Yeah, I saw that uh, going into the bottom of the ninth. So um, their moves are paying dividends. Lopez pitched uh, at one point in the game uh, for them. Their new acquisition. Um, and it's drawing somewhere around a hundred. So, <laughs> damn. So if you see him the rest of the series, that might not be fun for you. Eh, he'll wear out if they run him all three games in a row. We'll get to him by the third game. Yeah. Um, honorable mention hot team for me for this past week is the Baltimore Orioles. Even though they dropped two out of three to the Phillies, um, they showed up this past weekend against the Yankees, especially yesterday where they struck out 18 Yankee hitters and Aaron Boone said, and I quote, well, if you take the strikeouts away, they hit pretty well. Excuse me. 18 out of 27 outs for strikeouts. And if you take the strikeouts away, they did. Okay. This is a guy who should not be a major league manager still. And the only reason he is is because he backed into the playoffs last year. This is absolutely garbage. Yankee fans deserve better than this. As much as I'm not disappointed there in last place, Yankee fans deserve better than this crap. Cashman and Boone sitting on their hands. It's just stupid. I just... Yeah, okay. I looked it up. Uh, I thought I wrote it down. Yeah, here it is. Yeah. Six innings, six full innings were the strikeouts. In 1941, Ted Williams hit four or six and had a strikeout rate of four and a half percent. They struck out 14.82 t- more times than that last night. 
dude, just either don't go to your press conference or don't try to put the rosy tinted glasses on because it's not a good look. Dude, if 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 you shit the bed, just own it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry. 18 strikeouts. You know, in a 12 inning game, okay, 18 strikeouts can happen in a nine inning game. 18 strikeouts should not happen unless Kerry Woods on the mound. <laughs> All right, looking at the upcoming week, uh, Atlanta right now in the middle of this Angel series. Morton versus Silseth tonight. Strider versus Sandoval tomorrow. Chirinos versus Giolito on Wednesday. And then the big weekend series, the Cubbies, uh, Elder versus Hendricks. Uh, TBD versus Stroman. I am 95.5% sure that that TBD is going to be max free coming back. And then Morton versus Steele on Sunday. That's going to be a great series. Uh, Joe, I am super psyched for this series, um, even though I will not see one game of it because uh, we're heading up to the uh, we're heading up to camp this weekend. There is no internet up there, and frankly, I'm looking forward to uh, getting unplugged for a weekend and relaxing. So I won't be seeing the baseball. So uh, <laughs> enjoy it for both of us. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to, um, obviously, I'm, you know, I'm a big Steel guy, so I'm looking forward to Sunday. That'll be a fun matchup. Yeah, Morton Steel is going to be a really good matchup. Too. So uh, see what happens, man. And then the early week for you guys, four versus the Red Stroman versus Abbott, Steel versus Lively, Smiley versus Williamson, and Tyone versus Weaver. Damn it, I, we missed Tyone by a game. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, that might be better for you. Tyone has like a one – 1.9 ERA since July started. Okay. All right. I'm so, happy we're missing him then. So he's been excellent. Um, you know, he's, he's done just enough. Um, looks more like his old self. Um, That's good. Which is good. Um, Stroman got absolutely rocked through three innings tonight. Um, gave up six runs. So. Oh, uh, crap. I did remember to put him in the rotation today. Shoot. Well, that's not the great way to start off a week against Jason, but that's okay. You're welcome, Jason. That's all right. We got time to rally. I'm only down eight to ten so far. Plenty of time to rally. Yeah. So, I mean, Strowman has been absolutely terrible since the London series. Honestly, since Trey Mancini's era at first base um, in the London series. So, you know, whatever clubhouse presence Trey Mancini offers, it's not making up for <laughs> everything else no it's not he he is not been a great signing it feels it feels like he broke marcus stroman or something uh when they were overseas because ever since then he's been half of the pitcher he was the first two months of the year you know the center runs he's not locating well he's not throwing real well um so honestly i mean if if the cubs were in the trade market i just don't know what you're getting for a guy like that yeah i don't know his best all right, and then the Phillies have the four-game set. Again, uh, tonight's Walker versus Cabrera, Suarez versus Alcantara, Wheeler versus Garrett, Noel versus Cueto, and then three versus the Royals, Sanchez versus Lyles, Walker versus Yarbrough, Suarez versus Grinke. And then our Orioles, our local team, four at the Blue Jays, Gibson versus Bassett, Bradish versus Ryu, Rodriguez versus Kikuchi, and then TBD versus Gossman. And then three versus the Mets, uh, Kramer versus Carrasco, Gibson versus Verlander, and Bradish versus Quintana. I do say uh, Gibson versus Verlander with an asterisk beside because 
Uh, I'm with you, Joe. I do not think it's very likely that Verlander will still be on the Mets by the time that start rolls around. You know, there's a lot of talk, too, about the Orioles getting in on the starting pitching market. Um, so it, it could be completely flipped around. I mean, obviously not Gibson leaving or anything, but, you know, you, you could see Verlander playing the Mets this weekend if, if the Orioles decide to make a, a move for that. Yeah. All right, Joe, you got anything else for this week? No, uh, buckle up. Let's enjoy the rest of the trade deadline and see what uh, see what transpires. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. All right, everyone, you can find the audio recordings on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. You can see us live on YouTube, Facebook Live, as well as Twitter. Merchandise is at redbubble.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash beer, On our Twitter page at DDAB underscore podcast. All three of us are there as well. I'm at Parvalord314. Jason's at JRicker300. Joe's at JoltonJoe35. Guys, we're presented by Dark Arrow Podcast LLC and sponsored by the Whiskey and Blade Barbershop and Lidditz. May your dogs always cost a dollar. May your beer always be cold. Have a good night and uh, good luck with the trade deadline. Philly fans, uh, I hope something happens for you.